Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Welcome back to Missionary Roundtable, the podcast about the Great Commission and international missions and talking about strategies and different ways that we can uh, better fulfill the Great Commission that God has given us. We've been talking about this summer, uh, the Great Commission with different pastors and missionaries from all over the world and just picking their brains and trying to glean some wisdom and advice from them. Today, I'm very excited to say that we have back on the show one of our guests that we had in the first season, uh, episode five of season one, actually, is what I have written down, missionary Will Lyon, who is a missionary to Ecuador. He's been there for 11 years now, and he, he actually lives in a Quechua village in Ecuador. Um, it was a fantastic episode last season. If you if you haven't listened to it for some reason, you need to go back. Stop this one now and just go back and listen to that, and then come back here, because I'm probably just going to be continuing our conversation, honestly, from last time. It was that good. Will, thanks again, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's an honor, Kayla. I appreciate you having me on again. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Th- this time there's a little bit more time between us. Now I'm uh, I'm in Central Europe, and and you're in Ecuador. So there's seven hours between us. I think last time we were you know pretty close actually being in the states, mm-hmm. um, as far yeah. as time goes. But yeah, thanks for working it out with me, man. I'm excited for this. Absolutely. Congratulations getting on the field, man. We're excited for your family. Excited for what the Lord's going to do. Oh, thanks, man. That's you're, you're too kind. <laughs> but uh, you you are a great encouragement to me. I, I said this, you know, before we started recording, but I, I really do want to say it again, like, you know, on the record. Um, Will, the, the day that Brooke and Judah and I landed on the field, you know, in, in the first episode of this season, my friend Corey interviewed me just so he could talk about landing on the field during a pandemic because that had some unique circumstances. Um, but all of the emotions that come with landing on the field for the first time as a missionary mixed with the random COVID stuff that happened. Uh, it just made for some unique emotions and, and things. And, and will uh, just reached out to me and texted me like the day that we were there. And, and that just meant so much to me, man. And, uh, and seriously, I, I, I will never forget that. And actually um, I've made it a point to like, if, if I know of or have friends that are going to the field, I'm like, I'm going to be the first one to text them. Um, just because of, I know how much that meant to me. And so I, I want to make sure I can do that for other people too. So thank you for that, bro. Oh, you're welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. We've been in that position we know exactly how it feels. The, the emotions are so strange the, that first night and then those first few weeks on the field. Yeah. And, and it's uh, not like, us, yeah. it's not a bad thing, but it is, it's just mm-hmm. hard because it's like, let's just talk about that for a second. If, if you don't mind and just be candid, I guess, but it's just one of those things yeah. that's like, it's just this realization that this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And that's not a bad thing. It's just the reality. Like this is so hard. The emotional toll, um, for me, it was like, you know, the, the entire year had been building up to this. Will we be able to go? Will we not be able to go with all the COVID restrictions and government and country lockdowns? And so like, I, I feel like I didn't have much time to process my emotions until we got there. And then when we got there and we're sitting down, and all of our suitcases are everywhere. Then it, when we had a moment to breathe and think, then it was like, then all the emotions were being processed and it was just a tidal wave of reality smacking you in the face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's a very difficult time. I, I can remember those days uh, getting off the plane. Uh, someone told me before I went to the field that you never 
truly experience culture shock as long as you have a return ticket. And so <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really know what that meant, right? I didn't know what that meant until I experienced it. And it was, yeah. you know, everything, everything that you know in, in one moment is stripped away from you. You know, you, you go right back to being an infant. You can't speak the language. You can't order food. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't drive to a store. You don't even know where the store is. You, I mean, everything that you know is, mm-hmm. is just taken away, you know, and I think uh, the Lord uses that obviously, and he prepares us for, for what he has in store for us, you know, when, mm-hmm. when the Lord moves someone to the, to the mission field, I, I truly believe he's moving them to the front lines of, yeah, of Satan's kingdom and, and what he's doing. And so I think he, he knows that he has to strip everything that we have away from us. And so the, all we can do is depend on him, which literally without him, we can do nothing. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like at least for me, when I was back in America and serving in ministry, Many times stuff you're doing in ministry is is stuff that you enjoy because, I mean, genuinely, if you're in ministry, you enjoy it to some degree. It, you should. Um, but, like, sometimes you're doing things that are in your wheelhouse, you know, and, and so you're, you're right. enjoying it and maybe you're kind of good at it. And so maybe you don't yeah. even realize it, but you're not trusting the Lord as much as you should. And then you get a one-way ticket and you go to a place where you don't speak the language, you don't look like them, and you don't know what's happening and and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I I actually can't do anything unless he does something. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That that verse has a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it 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 just becomes practical in in the snap of your fingers. Yeah. Like, oh, that's what that means. <laughs> right. Oh, you actually meant nothing, right? You yeah. actually meant nothing. I didn't. <laughs> right. I didn't catch right. That when I read it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like um, I was telling a, a friend when I was chatting with him the other day, like, so I grew up in a church that has, you know, been preaching and doing discipleship for years, one-on-one discipleship, teaching people to walk with the Lord and to grow and mature in their faith. And since I was a kid, since, you know, the 90s. And so I grew up with this philosophy of discipleship ingrained in me that that discipleship, the Great Commission, is raising believers to maturity that essentially, you know, for lack of better words, discipleship is parenting. It's what you're doing. And so I grew up with that being ingrained in me. But then when I had a kid, then I was like, oh, that, that makes sense now. Like I always knew it, but then now that I have the child in front of me and I'm trying to teach him everything and I have to model it for him, I can't just say it. I actually have to show it. It, it, then it all clicks. It's kind of like everything. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same with this, like everything you heard in missiology class, everything that you heard from your mentor, from your missionary friends, it's all in your head. But until you have the one way ticket and you land on the field with your family and you're not going back anytime soon, it just, I don't know that you can fully prepare yourself for that. Yeah, I would agree hundred percent. The, I read a bunch of books, got a missions <laughs> degree, did, did everything, you know, that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, and still, when you hit the field, it's just a whole new world and you don't really know what you're getting into until you get here. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, I think the, the Lord understands that and he knows what we're getting into. Um, and I think you should prepare. I think all, all missionaries should prepare themselves as much as possible, mm-hmm. but, yeah, be ready for that first night, you know, always yeah. <laughs> be ready for that first time. Yeah, and, and it get, it does get better, but, like, still, you know, I don't know. We yeah. we landed in December, had a 10-day quarantine. When we got out of quarantine, it was, like, three days till Christmas. So, you know, your first month on the field, we had to go through the holidays and everything. And so it was like, man, that was just – people were reaching out to us. We were video chatting with our family, which is a luxury you didn't have 10 years ago. So, you know, praise the Lord for that, but still – the emotions were real. It, it was real. Like you just, you knew yeah. that you, 
we knew this before going, but then, you know, we really knew once we got here, like we're, we're, this is a real sacrifice. And, and I just hope that it's a, a sweet smelling savor to the Lord. Um, do, do you remember, obviously you remember, but what are some of the things that you remember that were just difficult when you actually landed on the field? Um, whether it's, you know, just for me, one of the things I remember is just looking at my wife and my son and being like, you know, I, like, I feel like I can take a lot of things on the chin, but like, man, what you don't want to do as a dad and a husband is put your family in a place where they will be unhappy or put them in a place where they can be unsuccessful in life. And so I just remember thinking when we got there and everything was so hard emotionally for them that first night, I was just like, oh man, I, uh, I really hope I did the right thing. Like, like I, I trust God, I believe God, but just in my flesh, I'm like, man, I hope I did the right thing. Cause I don't want to let them down, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We, I, I went through all the same emotions, uh, seeing my family, uh, you know, miss their family at the same time, completely confused about what we were doing and, and what on earth, how, how should we move forward? All of that. I, I know exactly how you feel. We, when we first got to the field, we, we dealt with all those emotions that first night. Um, a missionary picked us up and took us to a house that we had, we had rented ahead of time mm -hmm. and uh, dropped us off there. If I had to do that over again, if I were the if I were the veteran missionary, I would have you know stayed the night with him or something, you know, just, <laughs> just to kind of help him a little bit more uh, through that first night. But you know, he dropped us off, said, "Hey, you know, I'll see you later." And you know, we went inside, and it was just not just on top of everything. Walking into a home that was completely different than anything we had ever seen mm -hmm. in our entire life. You know, it was, it was in an inner, inner city area. So there, there was literally like cages everywhere. Yeah. Um, barred windows. It was just bars on everything. Yeah. It was, I've never even seen anything like that. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm living there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience, you know, that first night. And then right after that, our, our oldest son, he was three at the time, mm -hmm. he started getting sick and just respiratory issues. Ooh. And, and up to that point, he was three, he had had almost zero you know, issues at all as far as health goes. I mean, oh, he wow. had, had, a, had a great uh, first few years, but really, really struggled when we first got to the mission field. And a couple of weeks, a few weeks after we had gotten to the field, uh, we he had gotten to the point late one night where he, he was having a really hard time breathing. So I got a hold of the missionary that had brought us in. I asked him, I said, you know, please, can you help us get to the hospital? And so he came, picked us up, took us to the hospital. And once we got there, that was another you know, frustrating experience because we didn't know anything, couldn't say anything to the doctors. Right, They're right. saying a bunch of stuff and it's all going through translators. Wow. And, you know, me and my wife were concerned. You know how it is like the first time when, the, when a child really gets sick and you yeah. have to take them to the hospital. And so we didn't have a clue what was going on. We get back to the house and he just kind of keeps getting worse and worse as the night goes on. About two in the morning, he gets to the point where he almost can't breathe at all. Oh. And I didn't know the number for 911. I called the missionary. He was asleep. He didn't wake up. I couldn't get him up. We, uh, we didn't know what to do. So we went, we went outside. Like I said, we we're inner city. I knew a neighbor. I had met a neighbor at that point. So I went down to his house and we're banging on the door in the middle of the night. Oh. It probably scared him half to death. Sure. You know? He, he doesn't come out. He, he wouldn't, he didn't come out of the house. And so we're literally, I mean, I'm just standing there in the middle of the street, uh, in an inner city area, a place that honestly in my heart, I, I didn't want to be at that point in my life. I've got a child in my arms that can't breathe. Oh. My wife's crying. I've got a baby in the other arm, you know, cause our other child was, uh, was three months old. And I mean, we were just completely lost. We did not know what to do. And in the middle of the night walking down these streets. And so my wife's like, I think I remember where one of the main streets was. And so we tried to, we tried our best and we had to walk a few blocks to get up to a main street to try to find a taxi. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, man, just that walk 
up to the road. I'll just never forget it my entire life. Just what it was like. Every, every emotion you can imagine just fell on me at one point. I feel like my son's dying. Yeah. My wife's going crazy. It's just the whole thing. And know? how long had you been there and, at that uh, point? Yeah, I think it was about three weeks. Oh, uh, wow. we, we hadn't even started classes yet uh, yeah. for language. Hmm. And so, I mean, I just, I didn't know anything. And so it, we were able to get in the taxi and I kind of just pointed at my son and, and, and the taxi driver, he could tell, you mm-hmm. know, what was wrong. And so he, he got us there. And then, and then once same thing, getting to the hospital, we didn't have a translator at that point. And so we just had to kind of hand him over to the doctors and we didn't have a clue what was going on. Didn't know what was wrong with him. And honestly, that experience was enough. That's the only time, honestly, in our entire time on the field where I've told my wife, I told God, I do not want to be here. You know, please, please get, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could not, I cannot tell you how ready I was to leave. Sure. And my wife too, we were just, I mean, we were just done mm-hmm. after that night. And the Lord, honestly, I think he, he used that more than any other experience in our entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that trauma, you know, of, of yeah. everything that happened. Um, but the Lord used that to completely and totally just, you know, turn our hearts upside down, turn our minds around and completely uh, focus on him as the only way, as the only one that could, could sustain us yeah. on the field. How, how did he comfort you and encourage you through that? Because I, I just, I remember, and of course we've only been on the field, you know, six ish months now at this point, whenever this episode airs, um, we landed last December, but but I, I just remember within that first month, so many emotions happen in those first four weeks that it just became so obvious to me. And it was like, I felt like when I prayed every day, the Lord, it was just full surrender. Like, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. The, I've prepared as much as I could. And I, and I feel confident in what you told me to do. And I feel confident in the confirmation to be here, but I, but I just can't do it. Like, I'm not smart enough to learn this language. It's too hard. I'm not smooth enough to start a big church with my personality. It's gotta be you. And as, as uh, desperate as those prayers were, it was also oddly comforting and peaceful at the same time, because it's like, oh, maybe, maybe that's what he wanted the whole time. He's like, well, yeah, of of course. Mm -hmm. I only I can do it. You can't do anything, man. Like, I, I don't know. For me, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like ironic to me. That was like, it, that's what it took for me to be that desperate to finally get it. <laughs> and and then that was comforting. I don't know. Yeah. How did God comfort you and encourage you through through that whole process? Uh, first and foremost, he, he spoke through through other people, because my I mean, just to be honest with you, my relationship with the Lord at that point was just traumatized. I mean, just, I didn't know what I was doing. I, my prayer was get me out of here. Honestly, ah. I was just, that was, that was what I was looking for. Survival mode. And right, right. Uh, yeah. Get me through the day. <laughs> um, and I remember the first person we called the next day when we were able to get back, back to the house and um, we were able to get back to internet. My wife called my father-in-law, told him everything that happened. And, and she told me, she said she was kind of hoping that he would say, it's all right, baby. You just come on home, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll take care of you. You know, that's, that's kind of what we were looking for to be honest with you. Yeah. But, uh, but he said, he gave her just some words of encouragement. You know, that's, we, we understand you're having a hard time, but the Lord's going to get you through this and it, it's part of his plan. And mm-hmm. he just a few simple words, you know, and it, and a little bit later we started getting calls. Um, our pastor called and, and a few uh, mentors we had, they, they all kind of heard what was going on. So they called, and it didn't, it didn't snap me out of it in, in a day, mm-hmm. but uh, I began to see the bigger picture again of what exactly we were doing. Mm-hmm. So that, that pushed me toward the word. It pushed, it pushed me toward, uh, toward prayer. And, and just through that, it, it took me a few weeks 
probably mm-hmm. a couple of months, I'd say. We, we were there for about three months, here for about three months before we we, we kind of just settled down from that first initial trauma. Yeah, I bet. Um, wow. Yeah. How we needed you... other people to, to help us, honestly. Oh, well, no, that's good, man. And I think if anyone's listening to this and whether you want to be a missionary someday or not, it, you know, if pe- people are just listening to this who are interested in missions and pray for missionaries, man, just, just pray for missionaries who are going to the field. It's, it's just hard. And I, I don't know the stats, yeah. but I know a lot of missionaries who go to the field do end up returning within that first year or two just because it, it's just, it's hard. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And and if you're not yeah. completely, uh, what do I want to say? If, if you're not completely sure, <laughs> you know, of what God told you in the light, then man, when, when it gets dark, it's, man, a lot of people pack it up and go mm-hmm. home, unfortunately. Um, looking back yeah. in hindsight, you know, 11 years later, what ways did God grow you in your faith through that, those trials that then set you up to kind of be where you're at today or, or, or to get you, your, your faith to the level to where you can trust God to do what he's doing today? Mm-hmm. There's probably several, several different ways. One that, that really sticks out to me that's helped me so much is, like I mentioned, God used other people mm-hmm. uh, to help us tremendously during those first few, first few months. And since then, that's kind of been a theme that the Lord has brought people into our life that, that he knew we needed right when we needed them. And so we've had veteran missionaries come into our life. We've had, uh, you know, just just a lot of different people, other brothers and sisters in Christ who have who have been there just the right at the right time. Mm. And the Lord has shown me the importance of the fact that I, I can't do this on my own. I need the Lord in my life, but I also need the church in my life. Mm. And I need brothers and sisters that can speak into my life, uh, show me where I have failures, uh, listen to me sometimes when I want to vent, you know, and I just need to say something <laughs> that I can't tell anybody else. Yeah. That, you know, you need people like that in your life. And, you know, people who will lovingly correct you and, and, and guide you uh, toward the Lord in those kind of in those in those times. We in those for even our first few years on the on the field, we really missed the you know the the idea of a local church, this mm. that that fellowship, because we it's had a church. You know, obviously, right? we were we we're working in right, but you can't. I mean, you you're there, but you're kind of there because you know you have to learn the language and and you're not really connecting with people. Just mm-hmm. that, that first first little bit on the field, and so we desperately missed uh, that you know, that, that fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we needed it, you know, not just, not just cause we like it, but we, you know, you need that. You need people to help you in that kind of way. And so since then uh, we've made a, made a point of always having people in our life that, that are free to talk to us, free to be open with us. And we're free to be open with them mm-hmm. about what we're struggling with, you know, sins that we're struggling with or whatever it may be that we're going through in life at that time. Uh, that's one of the ways the Lord really, really grew me and, and helped me over the first few years. That's uh, that's awesome, man. I, I I can definitely relate. Just you know, so the first five months that we were here, because of lockdowns, um, we didn't even have the option to go to church. Like maybe there was some church meeting somewhere in a house that I just wasn't aware of. I'm I'm sure that was happening, um, but they had rules here that you, you you know technically you weren't even supposed to have more than like ten people in your house, um, and so like we went. And, and we we didn't come and join an established ministry, you know what I mean? So we we didn't we weren't coming like up under a 
um, another veteran missionary who was here that had a church. And so we, you know, we didn't come and join a ministry just to in, and get that even, even just being able to attend somewhere. So that first five months, you okay. know, being locked down and just praying a lot, studying the language and meeting with people as we could, we, we were just, you know, praise the, praise the Lord again, new technology just in the last 10 years. Uh, we were at least able to watch our, you know, our home churches services back in the States on Sunday. So that was something, but man, after yeah. about five months, you realize how important fellowship with the brothers and sisters is and you just miss it. And luckily just recently um, we, we found a, a like-minded brother who's got a small church plant in the city that we're, he's, he's cool with us just coming and attending and just fellowshipping. And, and that's been huge, man. Just, mm-hmm. we don't, you know, it's completely in Hungarian, the service, which is great. I wanted that for language immersion, but it's like, you know, you, I don't understand 80% of what's being said. It doesn't matter. It, sure. it seriously doesn't uh-huh. matter. It's that fellowship mm. of the brothers and sisters yeah. is so important. <laughs> yeah, it's vital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in that same vein, um, just learning about uh, you know, or learning how I should say uh, to trust God and and to trust Him, you know, from the story that you were telling, it, it was really just all about uh, trusting that He's going to take care of you, um, which is huge, and I think that's a huge lesson just for Christians in general. But how did? Let me ask it this way. Maybe this is more personality based, um, depending on you know how people are in their personalities. Did you ever find yourself trying to go about things in your own power? Like, okay, I really need to get this started, and so I'm going to do this because you know it, you started. I don't know for me because I'm more of a Type A personality. It's really easy for me to get in that mindset. Like, well, let's just go out here and start doing this, and then you know maybe God will bless it. When it's like maybe I should just pray and seek God and wait and listen and do what He says. I've I've really been trying to balance myself. It, it's taken me 30 years of being alive to finally figure that out. But did you ever find yourself wrestling with like trying to do something on your own versus trusting him to do what he said he would do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially working with Kichwa people. I'd say that's where <laughs> the Lord is still uh, molding me and changing me as far as that goes. Uh, because there's, I, I came to the mission field with the, with a, a very, I don't know what the right word would be, but I had a distorted view of success in ministry. Hmm. I mean, to me, success was how many churches can I plant? How many people are going to save? How many people baptized? Sure, it was, it, it was very, numbers. Very numbers. Western. Yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, the Lord had to remove that, you know, he had to destroy that from my mind and, and get that out. Uh, but when I was, when I had that kind of mindset, my first, you know, time working with Kichwa people, it, uh, it was very frustrating because mm. it was, I, I can't create numbers here. I can't, <laughs> right, well, I can't, well, this is know? never going to work <laughs> <laughs> right, on exactly. to the next people group. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm either changing people groups or I don't know, something, <laughs> something's got to change. Um, so yeah, we we had to learn that. That's that has been so difficult and so hard for us to to learn. Our prayer letters, you know, don't don't sound glamorous. You know, I had to mm-hmm. I had to be okay with with those kinds of things. So that's what that's where ministry is where I tried to manufacture and I tried to produce mm-hmm. on my own. And I think there were times in my in my ministry here that I've I've tried to connect my my identity, you know, with my ministry instead uh-huh. of in Christ. And I've tried to you know, as long as I'm, you know, I'm reaching people and, and God's blessing and the numbers are good and the churches are moving forward, then things are okay. Mm-hmm. Because sadly, I mean, a lot of times supporters, that, that's kind of all they look at, you sure. know, and that's kind of all you, that's all you really hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but in reality, you know, Lord had to change my my concept of what success was because of the Kichwa people. Like I said, is very very slow ministry. Uh, it takes a, a long time. Uh, you're probably going to experience something very similar, I would assume, in your ministry. Um, but that's, that's I'd say that's the biggest thing. I tried to produce numbers on my own, mm-hmm. and I had to learn to to get rid of that and let the Lord produce numbers in His time and how He wanted to. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's really tempting for any uh, American Christian who's or American Christian, American pastor, leader, missionary, just because in your flesh you it's very we're very goal oriented in the west um and so we think mm-hmm. the goal is is more people and and i mean ultimately we want to see as many people in heaven as as we can but the great commission is go and teach go and make disciples and and so it's like okay whoever you go to that's just going to take different amounts of time and yeah you're absolutely right when yeah. I, when i got here and it's it's kind of funny because i i'm half hungarian and so you know i I can't identify with them culturally. I, I, I wasn't raised here, but like I, I right. as I learn more about them as a people and how they think, um, it, it they are very, uh, let's just say private and not, not in a bad way. They're not necessarily introverts. Um, it's just like, oh, okay, I'll give you a story. You know, it, you know, I'm from the Midwest and even though I'm kind of a private guy, I'm still an extrovert and I'm a Midwest guy. So you walk down the road and you see someone passing you on the other sidewalk, you just kind of nod or wave, you know, give them a smile or something that that's not uncommon in the Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. maybe in like the Northeast or in new England that is, and it'll get you dirty looks. Well, in, mm-hmm. in Hungary, I did that <laughs> once, you know, within a couple weeks of being here, I was just excited to be out of quarantine. I'm going, there's a Burger King, like three blocks away from me. So I'm just going to walk down and get a burger for my family. And I was, I'm just like excited. And I see someone and I'm just like, you know, kind of like give them the old, like, you know, Midwestern, how do you do? Uh, and they just looked at me like, what, <laughs> who is, what does this guy want? You know, like, what does this uh-huh. guy want from me? And so you just learned that like, it's going to take time to build trust mm-hmm. and, and build, uh, not just a sense of trust, but a sense of, uh, sincerity, you know what I mean? In your relationships right. to the, to the point where when you say something, it matters to them. And then they actually care about your message. And, and so a successful ministry mm-hmm. here, you know, in 10 or 20 years, um, it's going to take 20, 10 or 20 years to build a successful model church. Um, it, it right. seems like, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? I haven't been here that long, but just based on the people yeah. group. So yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. But you do have to, like you said, you have to change your perspective of what is success. And I think something mm-hmm. for me that just at the very, and, and again, well, this is kind of like survival mode. It's not super spiritual. It's just like, it was out of necessity. <laughs> I changed my, uh, because it was so overwhelming when we first landed here. Like, okay, I've got to get my family unpacked. We've got to get used to this. I've got to learn the language. I've got to meet people. There's so many things to do that it was so overwhelming that I, I kind of just developed this mantra for me that like, okay, today, did I do what God wanted me to do? Was was I obedient to what he asked me to do today? Whether that's a Saturday where all I do is take my family to the park or, or I met with somebody or all I did was rack my brain studying the language. Like, did I do today? What do you want me to do? And if the answer is yes, mm-hmm. then okay, I can go to sleep at night. And, and that for my mm-hmm. type A personality has, has helped in, in that idea of what is yeah. success. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you remember feeling overburdened like that <laughs> at the beginning? Just because there's so many things to do. It's like, oh man, where do I even start? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, other, other missionaries, you know, I was in a language school and so, and there were, there was actually a missionary in language school. And so, you know, some, some guys, they just, man, they get it. 
you know, within like three or four months, they're preaching, ba- you know, basic sermons, Jeez. you know, and things like that. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm eight months in, and I'm just trying to order, I've ordered food stew. <laughs> yes. It's like, man, it didn't come easy for me, but that I understand what you meant. There's that, that, that push, that desire to, to be like everyone else and find your identity in something else and, and, and feel like you're succeeding. You know, you want to, we want to see success. We want to yeah. feel success. And uh, man, you said it great. Just knowing that every single day, if we do, if we're obedient to the Lord, that's what success looks like. It's obedience. And in one word and being obedient to the Lord's will and his plan today, that's, that's obedience. Yeah. And if it takes longer than the other guy, it doesn't matter. That's not, I'm not looking for his success. I'm looking for, for success in my walk with the Lord, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's really good. I, man, I, as I get older too, in, in life, just in, in hopefully, you know, maturing with the Lord, that's, that's what I want to think. Um, I right. honestly, it just becomes more and more about, I, I just want to be able to get to the judgment seat of Christ and, and, and look at the Lord in the eye. Well, I don't know if I can look him in the eye. I probably can't. Um, but I just want to be able to, to say, I, I, I did what you asked me to do here. You know, like that's, that's all I want, man. Like, seriously, I, I don't care if I have the biggest ministry. I don't care if, if, if for accolades, I just want to be able to get judgment seat and be like, Lord, sincerely, I, I did what you asked me to do. I tried and, and this is what I got. I, I hope I made you happy. You know what I mean? Right, right, exactly. The uh, thinking of the judgment seat of Christ has been an encouragement to me on the field as well. It's funny you mentioned that. Just, just the idea that there's a direct correlation between our life on earth and in our life yeah. in heaven. It's not. It's not like, you know, we're some other person. We're some other entity. Once we mm-hmm. get to heaven, there's a there's a direct connection there, and that's. I mean, that's the clear biblical teaching and to know at a place like the judgment seat that we will remember, probably, I would imagine with an even better memory than what we have right now, Ooh, that we that will be able to me. remember. <laughs> right, <laughs> you're, I know. You're probably right though. <laughs> I'm scared you now, right? Or, or it'll um, put it on a TV or something and be like, Ooh. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, I don't know about it. Please, please know Lord. Uh, but yeah, just, just having that connection, knowing that my life here, it, it, it really is working towards something. Yeah. I mean, you hear it preached and you, you know, it's there, mm-hmm. but just that reality of, of I am planting a seed for something that eternally matters mm-hmm. uh, really changes your perspective on on how to serve the Lord on the mission field, and it and it gives you strength in those in those yeah. hard nights. Uh, right, it stay. makes the sacrifice yeah. worth it because you're like we're not yeah. suffering this loneliness or this you know missing our family or friends or church for nothing. There's a reason. The souls of men for sure, the glory of God for sure, but also because God promised. That I I've, I've been clinging to uh man it's it's on a sticky note in in my office um I don't have it near me uh, I think it's Matthew ten I might be wrong it's it's a few times in the Gospels though where he just he he assures yeah. the disciples no man that's left house or fields or or family right. uh, for my sake in the Gospels you know he's like he's gonna inherit eternal life and he's like he's just reassuring them like listen man if you leave your stuff for my sake I got you. And it, man, that's just meant so much to me, not because I'm not willing yeah. to do what we're doing, but just because like, it's just reassuring that he's like, he sees our sacrifice, whether it's, whether we move to a foreign field or, or we just give up our will for his will, wherever we live. Um, he, he sees that. And that's like, that's a, a sweet smelling savor mm-hmm. to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that can, that can truly sustain a missionary, mm-hmm. you know, you, not, um, not big numbers, not, mm-hmm. not successful ministry, you know, in the eyes of, of people, we can't go to the field for those kind of things. Mm-hmm. It, 
you know, uh, the novelty of a new people group, a new language, a new food, it wears off. Yeah. You know, the, even, even success in ministry, uh, you know, it becomes almost like a, like a drug for some people and that wears off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the eternal aspect of what God's called us to do, I think that's enough to, to give us the strength to stay when we don't want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even for, for those people who would like, you know, I'm never going to move to the mission field, like, okay, but what, what is God asking you to do in your life to take that next step in your faith? Um, because man, I tell you what, even if it's just something like personal holiness, viewing life with the judgment seat of Christ in mind will make you live differently. Whether that's just, you know, being willing to make personal sacrifices or being, or, or worrying more about personal holiness and growth or witnessing and evangelism, uh, man, I, yeah. Living in light of the judgment seat Um, of Christ, uh, I, I think that's, I think it's what we're supposed to do. But I, I think it can actually help you, <laughs> not just hurt you, not just make you be like, oh, no, I need to live in fear. Like, I mean, certainly there's an aspect to that, you know, fear the Lord. But but even just an aspect of like, well, you can have a good judgment seat of Christ. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have right. to be bad. <laughs> there's gold, silver and precious stones <laughs> to true. be had. You know, I, I want to find those. Right. I want mm-hmm. those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Let me ask you this, man. Um, I've been trying to ask every missionary this, even if it's out of left field, but for the converse, per the conversation we're having right now, it's actually, you know, applicable. Um, with the world events right now with COVID and, and the pandemic and man, I, if anyone studies the Bible and believes what the Bible says about the end times, it, it really, you know, I'm not making any predictions here, but it just really seems like things are gearing up for something. We'll say it that way. Um, of course, mm-hmm. we don't know the day or the hour, but we can know the times. And uh, yeah. man, I don't know about you, but it's it's just made me more urgent, uh, especially just now getting to the field. You know what I mean? Give, it, it making me focus on the judgment seat of Christ because, man, I don't know. I could be staring into his eyes at any day at this point. It has, mm-hmm. has the world events affected your strategy or... Um, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious. Has it affected how anything you're doing on a day-to-day basis, whether it's just your time with the Lord or, or, you know, how you're going about evangelism or discipleship or anything like that? We're just living in crazy times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, yeah, there's a lot of things. (laughs) Oh, lay them on me, man. Let's go. (laughs) Right. As, as far as man, my, my personal walk with the Lord last year, somebody put the book in my hands. Um, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And I'm telling I'm you what, that book it. has man, just turned my life upside down. Okay. That, oh man, you got to read it. I, okay. I, <laughs> I, I'll be on Kindle incredible. right after this. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> right, right. I mean, you won't be able to put it down. My wife's reading it right now. Mm. I mean, it's like, I don't know, maybe 500 pages. It's a big book. It's a theological a work. One. And, and I mean, it's a big, it was really, really good. Um, and, and that, in conjunction with the world that we're living in right now, knowing that the rapture could be at any point, any point now. And, and like, like you said, like things are gearing up, things are getting ready. It meant as far as my walk with the Lord, I, man, I have absolutely fallen in love even more with my time with the Lord mm. and, you know, just a daily devotional time as a, you know, just a time to get away silence and in solitude and in prayer mm-hmm. and Bible study. And because I, I'm just seeing this this connection between what is going on in the world and what this ancient book in my hands says, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just yeah. unbelievable the connections, you know, and and to know that the 
the God of all of this, that I have the opportunity to, to walk with him and pray with him and, hmm. and, and actually be involved in what he's doing, man, I'm telling you what, it's just, it's been exciting for me. I, I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing around the world because I, I just, you know, I see something big coming. Right. It's like, dude, this is happening. No idea, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's actually real, right? We get to be here. We get, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, that used to kind of uh-huh. scare me when I was younger. Like, what if this does happen? But, you know, I, I don't I was talking to Jeff Martell, you know, before we came to the field and since, and he's like, bro, this is happening. We, we might get to be the generation, the only people who got to yeah. see this of all the generations before us who were looking for this day. We might get to see that. Right. Wow. Right. Exactly. It's exactly like, you know, Nicodemus. It makes me think of Nicodemus because it's like he knew the prophecies. He knew what the scripture said. Dude, I can't, I can't believe back. you even brought that up right now. Right. Cause that, that's the same guy I was you know thinking about. of. Yeah. Cause I don't, did you, <laughs> yeah, you know if you watched the chosen at all? <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. 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 Well, it's, it's just, uh, you know, heard, there, there's, that. yeah, <laughs> the guy doing the Jesus show and it's actually, you know, speaking as a Baptist fun, fundamental dude, it's actually really good. You know, it's not cheesy and corny. It's oh, actually yeah. pretty darn good. And they actually make Nicodemus <laughs> like one of the main characters in, in this, in first season which was interesting because they kind of show how like uh, he's struggling cool. with like, is, is this happening? Like the things that we've been talking about in the old Testament prophecies, like, is this the guy? And like, when he goes to meet with him in John three, that scene is just like, he's just like, he, you can tell uh-huh. the actor did a good job. He's just like struggling uh-huh. to process like, ah, is it, is this the thing? This is the thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh huh. Right. Exactly. Yep. It has to happen in somebody's lifetime. You know, yeah, it's like he, right. he realized that it's, it might as well be mine, you know, <laughs> sure. it's uh. anyway. Yeah. That, that whole concept is, it's um, just, it's, it's an unbelievable reality to know that we're living in those kind of days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's been my personal walk with the Lord. That has been such an encouragement to me mm-hmm. and then ministry as well. Um, I think, I think one thing COVID has completely, um, destroyed at least for the foreseeable future if the lord tarries the idea of big ministries you know mm. i don't think we're going to be worried too much about a lot of building and a lot mm-hmm. of you know high budget type things i don't think yeah. that's going to be on the horizon sure in, in the near future i could be wrong depending on the depending on the country but there's going to be a lot more axe type churches i think mm. and i think that it's it's really helped me focus on you know if the government does shut us down you know what is that what does that look like for mm-hmm. us? You know, how, how quickly do we have to meet illegally? You know, am I, am I okay with meeting groups of 10 and splitting the church up like that and putting, yeah. putting responsibility on people? Maybe that I'm not quite ready to give them the responsibility. Um, that as far as church ministry goes, I've, you know, lo- lo- those things are on my mind constantly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the idea of, I think, I think that some people in, in the past, I think we've had almost like theological movements that, that say, you know, the rapture could be any moment, the rapture could be any moment. And so we jump to evangelism. Mm-hmm. And, and I think some of the, obviously we, we have to evangelize. <laughs> sure, sure. Evangelism yeah. has to be, <laughs> right? It's like, oh yeah, like, that's a terrible thing, Will. I know what you're yeah, saying yeah. though. Yeah, me, it's, that's the knee-jerk right. reaction, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. We, uh, we evangelize, uh, you know, forgetting everything else. And, and I think the, one of the things that's really helped me in, in studying the word lately, saying that, that sanctification actually has a very serious aspect of the Christian life, you know, mm. discipleship and growing in the Lord. It's not just for here. It's for all of eternity. There's, 
there's something that God is wanting us to grow toward. Mm. And so knowing that the Lord can come back at any moment, knowing that heaven is just around the corner, it excites me, not just for evangelism, but also for discipleship. You know, when I worked with people who, you know, six months ago, they were worshiping the, the moon and, you know, they come to faith in the Lord and then they're walking with him. And I see, you know, how they begin to grow and how they begin to pray and how the Lord is changing wow. their life. I see it like, this is not just for now. I mean, this is an eternal thing that's happening wow. in this person's life. And man, it just gets me excited. I'm, I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do. That's amazing. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, for me, like, and so I don't know, like when it was hitting and we weren't on the field yet, it, I was just, I was becoming more urgent and more, um, uh, more aware, um, not just of the judgment seat, but just of like, okay, this, this actually could happen at any time now. Like every spring, I'm just kind of looking up May 14th came and passed. That was, that's, I listen, I know the rapture's not gonna happen on May 14th, but that's just, you know, Israel became a nation on May 14th, 1948. And so like, there's, you know, it's been just a little yeah. over 70 years since then. So it's like, there's just special things about that time. So like every year on May 14th, I'm kind of yeah. like, okay, there's, you know, just, <laughs> just kind of looking up and just looking around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But man, yeah. it's, I think one of the other thing is when we got here to the field, like I don't have, I don't know, maybe this is stupid and maybe time will, I don't have 10 year plans right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I have like now yeah. plans, like work on the language, pray. Mm -hmm. And, and the way that I've been praying, or at least the way that the Lord's laid it on, on my heart to pray for, for my contacts and where I'm at and us just now getting to the field in this day and age was to, to pray for seeking men. Like, like I, I'm not super sure that there's going to be a big giant revival in Hungary right now, man, that'd be awesome. Praise the Lord if that happens. But it's like, listen, if the Lord's coming very soon, God, give me the gleanings. Where are they at? You know what I mean? Like, um, so, right. so Acts eight and Acts 10 have kind of been the things that the Lord laid on my heart. So you got Ethiopian eunuch in Acts eight, uh, is already seeking the Lord. He's reading Isaiah and God takes Philip. He's like, Hey, go over to that guy. And, and he's just got to go and just, he's like, Hey, can you help me understand what this says? And he's like, Oh yeah, perfect. You, you're already halfway there, man. And he preaches him Jesus. And, right. and then Acts 10, you have Cornelius who's already seeking and already trying to find the Lord. And God's like, okay, you need to go talk to this guy. Go, You know what I mean? So I, I've just right. been praying that God would send me to, or, or send seeking men to me. And, uh, and uh -huh. even just in the couple of months we've been here, we, we've already seen God answer those prayers and, and so I, I'm trying well, to be a little bit more um, specific and intentional in, in my prayer life. I guess maybe that's the thing that's that's changed for me is is like, okay, Kale, don't worry mm -hmm. about having a thousand person church in Hungary. That's that, first of all, that's not the definition of success anyway, like you said earlier. But like, yeah. where, where are mm -hmm. the guys who are already seeking truth? Because you could stand out on the street corner, and and it, okay, listen, there there are there are countries today where you can go stand out on the street corner and pass out tracks and people will get saved. I'm not saying that won't happen, um, but in 2021 in Hungary, good luck. I'm not saying that you right. won't get anyone to to bite, but right. good luck with that, man. And so, uh -huh. do you want to spend hours every day passing out thousands of tracks and then finally find one person, or do you want to just spend every day praying that God connects you to the guy who's already seeking? Um, yeah. I, I don't I know. That, that's kind of where I've been at. It's something that the Lord's laid on my mm -hmm. heart, just to be more intentional and specific uh, about what I'm doing wh with the whatever little time we have left, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%, man. That's, that's really incredible that, 
the if we could just forget this idea of it has to be big and it has to be a lot of numbers if we can just forget that and focus on uh who god has and who he is drawing to himself and then just let him guide to let him do his work mm-hmm. and and just get out of the way you know let god do his thing yeah and man that's just what a, what a great philosophy of ministry and philosophy of life mm-hmm. uh would help a lot of people <laughs> yeah yeah and, and if we all did that like if all the christians did what we're supposed to do no, nobody would have to have a thousand person church because we were all doing what we were supposed to be doing and discipling. And that's, that's multiplication, that's reproduction. And maybe we could actually reach the world. <laughs> yeah. um, mm-hmm. I agree. I don't know, but you know, I'm carnal. <laughs> maybe too, God's plan so will actually work. I don't, I don't walk with the Lord every day the way I ought to. So I, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm not sitting here, I'm not trying to sound, you know, mm-hmm. sit in my ivory tower and be like, if everyone did what I'm doing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but, I understand. <laughs> Man, that, that's cool the to hear. Thing I'm, is that it's biblical, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, if we all just yeah. got on the same page as, with the Bible, then we would do better. <laughs> right. We've, yeah, we'd be all right. <laughs> I'm glad to hear though that, that that's cool that uh, you that that's in you know the pandemic and everything is you know kind of transformed some of the, the way you're thinking and, and doing stuff. Um, let me ask you this, and and we can kind of start to tie a bow on it here. Uh, what is happening now in Ecuador in your ministry? Um, in, in these Quechua villages, I know that you just wrapped up building a church building, which is awesome. And you can tell us about that. Um, what is happening right now and what are you trusting God to do in the future? Should, should he tarry? You know, I feel like I have to say, by the way, should he tarry as a disclaimer from now on? Like, it's just, you know, (laughs) like, what do you want to do in five years? You know, if the Lord doesn't come, (laughs) if he doesn't come, right. I understand. (laughs) Cause he is going to come, but if he doesn't. If he doesn't, right, we're going to work like he's not coming right now, Yeah, 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 (laughs) but pray that he does. Um, We, the the Lord has blessed, wow, an incredible way in the the newest church plant. We're we're three years in, in June, we're going to celebrate our third anniversary in the newest church plant. And that's the church that Lord willing is going to be basically a a model church for future church plants is kind of the strategically kind of planning along those lines. We have a lot of, of unreached villages in the area that we're in right now. And so we want to branch out of that church into those villages. And so, wow, the Lord has really, really done a special work there. We, there's so many, so many neat things that, that God is doing. Um, we have a, we have a young family right now in the church that her dad in, is from another village, but her dad is the, is the main moon God worshiper Whoa. in the, uh, in the village. He in fact leads the village in, in moon God worship. And, and, uh, Man, it's, it's, it's a long story, but the Lord has done an incredible work. He actually built a, um, what's the word, uh, like a shrine wow. to the moon god at one of our at one of our church members' house at a lady who got saved, and he built the shrine at her house because they're they're in the same family, mm-hmm. and he was trying to help her, trying to get her get her away from God, and he built this this moon god shrine. And we, we went to go visit the lady. She was struggling with some stuff. And we saw the shrine in the yard. I knew what it was when I saw it. And I was like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> why, is there a, why is there a moon guy hey, shrine, that? shrine in your yard? You know? <laughs> and uh, right, right. So she tells me about it. And, and I said, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, I don't want it there. But I, I told him to stop and he still built it. I said, well, where is he? He's not here right now. So I said, uh, so what do you want to do? <laughs> she's like, I think we need to tear it down. I said, let's do it. <laughs> Dude, you are and literally so we, tearing man, down I, altars like Old Testament stuff. Man, I felt wow. like I say I felt like a prophet in the Old Testament. That is we so uh, we cool. went out and we <laughs> it was it was incredible, man. We we tore the whole thing down and uh man fixed it up like you like it had never even been there. 
And boy, he came back. He came, he brought some people back to do the, the worship that night. And I wasn't there and the lady wasn't there, but there were some other people around and he's just irate. Where's my shrine? Where's my shrine? And, and so all the people told him, Oh, I think the missionary tore it down. Whoa. <laughs> and so he, uh, man, he got so mad at me and, uh, we had people telling us we need to, we need to put people around your house to protect you. And, uh, but anyway, you know, the Lord protected us from that. And, and about two months later, we were, because of COVID, we were meeting in these little small groups secretly all over the little villages. And, and we're, we're in there and we're in one little village meeting secretly and in walks this guy's daughter into wow. the Bible study. And she, uh, she's, she's about, she's, she's 22, she's 23. Now she walks in, man, here's the, here's the message of the gospel for the first time. And we talked to her for a while. A few months later, she got saved. Wow. Uh, she got baptized in October and she is just growing. I mean, it's just unbelievable what the Lord's doing in her life. Unreal. And it's just story after story after story of, of the same kind of stuff, man. God is just really doing something special here. And on top of everything that's going on with like governments and COVID and everything that's happening that, that makes me think the Lord's return is coming. I also see a really big revival happening around the world. It's just oh, a lot of places. I keep hearing these incredible stories hmm. of God just doing unbelievable things. Hmm. And it makes, makes me think he's just bringing in a big harvest, you know, oh, before man. the end. I hope so, man. And yeah. And so from there, we're, we're, we're preparing a group of pastors. Now we have a pastor school. We got six guys studying uh, for pastoral ministry and Lord willing from those guys, it'll take us about two years, maybe two and a half years. We want to, with those guys out of the, out of the church we're in right now, uh, plant uh, between four and five churches, possibly right around the same time uh, using these guys. I'll go out with them and plant new churches uh, in these new villages. Wow. And so yeah, the Lord, Lord's really doing a lot of great hmm. things. Our, our family's doing well. God's protected us. And, uh, amen. We're just, we're just enjoying life in Ecuador, to be honest with you, man. I I know we talked about this before I hit the record button, but I think it just bears saying it brings us full circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the first night that you landed on the field and how hard it was, but man, 11 years on the field with hindsight, looking back to walking down the street, three weeks on the field with your, with your kid in your arms. And you're like, God, why am I here? Could you ever imagine being being here today Um, wow yeah oh my goodness oh my goodness there's there's no way to even even fathom you know what god was going to do and and everything in my heart was to give up back then yeah everything in my heart and to know that god brought the right people at the right time not because of me but because of what he wanted to do here Mm -hmm. and uh it was never about me and to know that the lord he had people here that Mm -hmm. he wanted in his family and and that was Mm -hmm. you know it, it, it encourages me now to help to help other new missionaries mm-hmm. to know that there's something big that there's something worth staying for. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, I, I appreciate your encouragement to me. Um, yeah. what would you say to anyone who's listening to this? Maybe they're not even necessarily a missionary, but they're going through a really hard time and it seems like they're going through a hard time because they were trusting the Lord. You know what I mean? Those are the ones that are tough to go through because you're <laughs> like, God, I, 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 I did what you told me to do. And, and this is really, and now I'm going through a hard time. What, what, what do you have to say to those people um, who, are, who are questioning, man, I don't know if I should keep going? Yeah, I believe with all of my heart that the Bible teaches that God is sovereign and everything that happens is for, on one side, it's for our good, but it's also for his glory. Mm. And so everything that, that we are experiencing in life, especially if we're trying to serve him and we're being faced with, with discouragement or persecution or, or whatever it may be, 
everything that comes into our life, God is molding us towards something, hmm. you know, and it's an eternal, it's an eternal molding. It's something that's, it's not just this little thing he's doing is for all of eternity, just like Ephesians talks about. I mean, we are, we are trophies of his grace and he is doing something incredible in our lives. And if we can just have the patience to let him do his work, you know, and, and walk faithfully with him, even through the valleys, let him do that work and let him get the glory for it, you know, on the other side. Just just trust that the Lord knows what he's doing and his ways are not our ways. And uh, it's, it's, it's helped me a lot, those kind of verses and those thoughts mm -hmm. to know that, that the Lord has a plan mm -hmm. and uh, I can trust him with that plan. And, and, and let him work his plan. Yeah. Yeah. Let him do it. Right. <laughs> Don't take it into my hands. <laughs> right. Right. Well, because sometimes it's really easy to give up and be like, man, I, I'm out. I, is, this is, this is too hard, but it's like, man, if you could just see over, you know, that mountaintop and see that if you, if you just trust God and let him work in you and, 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 uh, continue to conform you to his image and, and, uh, you know, boil the impurities to the top as he turns the heat up and scrape the dross off the top. Like if you just let him do that, like there's so many things on the other side that that's why your story is so encouraging to me is that, you know, you've been on the field 11 years. So, I mean, you, you are definitely a veteran missionary, but like to see in that time period where, where you started, what God has done, what you trusted him to do. And then, and, and now you're finally after 11 years getting to see those fruits start to, to blossom, man, that that's super encouraging, man. Yeah, thank you very much. It's, it really has been uh, encouraging to us. Uh, we love being a part, even just a small part of, of what God's doing here. Yeah, man, I'm sure. I, man, thank you for your encouragement to me. Um, I, this, this is a great pr place, I think, to, to wrap it up. But um, is is there anything, um, or let's do this. If anyone wants to know more about you or your ministry or give or anything like that, where, where can they find you online? Uh, we have a website, uh, reaching10,000.org. We can, uh, you can find this on there. It's got all of our, you know, prayer letters and, and basic information on there. And there's also contact information uh, somebody could write or call. Awesome. Perfect, man. Well, thanks once again for your encouragement uh, to me. Um, honestly, this was, uh, I don't know, this was less of an interview and more of me just picking your brain and and uh, and wanting to know questions. And then I hit record. And so hopefully other people can benefit from it. But I sure did. So th thank you for being willing to do it again, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Kale. I appreciate what you're doing. We're praying for you guys. Excited for you. Oh, thanks, man. Well, I hope that was encouraging to you. That was really encouraging for me. Uh, Will is, is a good friend and a good missionary. And uh, man, I, if you're out there, you know, a pastor of a church or just an individual, uh, I, I don't know how you couldn't pray for or support a guy like Will Lyon after hearing what, what he's doing, what God's doing in his life. Uh, I love how candid Will is willing to be and just transparent about, you know, uh, shortcomings, his feelings, his emotions. I, man, I really appreciate that. And I hope that if there's anyone out there listening who is, a, you know, in, you know, in Bible college or maybe desires to be a missionary someday, uh, I hope that these kind of conversations are beneficial to you. Um, because I know that when I was younger and was just in Bible college or not even in Bible college, just being discipled 20, 21 years old, when our pastor would have guest missionaries in, uh, for church. And he would just, he, what he would do was have them uh, come over to his house on Sunday nights and, and just talk. And he would invite the college age kids over to just listen and ask questions. And those were some of the most beneficial times for me. And so I, I hope that this 
can kind of be a way, you know, missionary roundtable is just a way for, you know, to have a virtual living room where everyone's sitting on a couch and, and there's a missionary guest and, and hopefully I can just ask the questions that maybe you guys would be thinking and, uh, and, and just glean some of the wisdom and some of the experiences and advice that they have. And, um, and I hope that we can all be, uh, better for it when it comes to ministering and, uh, seeking to just fulfill what God asked us to do with the great commission with whatever time we have left. Uh, I pray that y'all would be urgent in your prayers and in your endeavors, uh, to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ while we still have time left. Life is just a vapor. You know, it appears for a little time and then it vanisheth away. We don't know what's on tomorrow, but we do know that uh, our God is good and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to have everlasting life. And so I, my prayer for you, friend, if you're listening, regardless of what stage of life you're in, is that you would be serious about what God has asked us to do so that when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you can tell God, I did what you asked me to do. And that you can just be happy to be there and, and not worried. So have a good one. I, I hope that you'll join us next week um, and for another episode of Missionary Roundtable, another interview with a pastor or missionary. Until then, God bless. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.